What is it? It's your future. It's called a Stargate. Chevron 7 locked. Welcome to Walking Through the Stargate. I'm Brent. And I'm Zach. This is episode 55, and we'll be talking about Stargate SG-1's episode pretense. And you can find us on Google Play Podcasts and on Spotify Podcasts, and there that's as far as you can go with that. But on Apple Podcasts, you can also find us there. And when you do so, if you give us a lovely little review... Uh, a company with a five-star rating, um, then uh, uh, we will, Zach and I will attempt to uh, 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 do a dramatic recreation of your comment um, as, a, as, a, as an incentive for you to be leaving words on the thing. And uh, uh, it's, it's very good. It's very exciting if you do that because it forces me to do all sorts of work that I didn't actually intend to do. So, you know, make my and life miserable. that's fun. Yeah. Leave a yeah. comment. Uh, Zach, if uh, yes. somebody wants to let us know that they have uh, made my life miserable, there's a few ways they can do it. Um, <laughs> but what's uh, what's one of the easiest ways they can do it? You know, I think the most fun way of uh, tell, uh, telling you that your life is miserable or making your life miserable, whatever, <laughs> yeah. one of the two, uh, is... is telling me. <laughs> <laughs> Brent, your life is miserable. <laughs> Brent, it's early in the morning. It is early. It's early. Uh, uh, you could uh, follow us on Twitter at Stargate Walking, and you can tell us there that uh, you have made life's, Brent's life more challenging by giving us a five-star rating uh, and mm-hmm. a review. Uh, you could also email us at walkingthroughthestargate at gmail.com or find us on Facebook at the Walking Through the Stargate Facebook page or Facebook mm-hmm. group. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are the ways you can get a hold of us. And uh, yeah, give us that five-star rating. Give us a review. And uh, we'll have a fun time turning that into something special. Just for you. Yes. Just for uh, you. Brent. Yes. Speaking of emails, uh, yes. we did get a couple of emails this last week. Uh, if you recall, last uh, time we were talking about the tetrachloroethyl whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the dry cleaning fluid. Yeah, yeah, the dry cleaning fluid. And uh, there was talk about how can something be volatile and stable at the same time? And we're like, yeah, well, okay, so both my brother Tim... And Ed uh, sent messages to me uh, yes. and, and explained this to us. Okay. So uh, this is what? Ed's email here. He uh-huh. says, uh, volatility refers to the vapor pressure of a substance, something that is highly volatile, therefore produces a lot of vapor at standard uh, temperature. Stability yeah. refers to the rate of decomposition of a substance into its constituents. A relatable example of something that is both volatile and stable is alcohol. So where, yeah, where it's highly volatile, but very stable. So the vapors will like totally be happening on the regular, but it will kind of keep itself together. Yep. It takes, it takes a lot to keep, to, to, to start breaking it apart. Yep. Gotcha. So, Thanks, Ed. Um, so yeah. what Tim had and, to say. And Tim basically said the same thing on the text. Oh, uh, let me pull that up here real quick, because this is what podcasts all about. Yeah. You know, while okay, you're he that, says, I'm going to get myself a cough drop. Uh, mm. Volatile means that it vaporizes readily. I becomes a gas easily stable is related to if the chemical breaks down into other chemicals. So uh, I imagine then that uh, volatility plus instability is the real dangerous part where the substance can fill a space very easily because it goes into its gaseous form or whatever. And also it doesn't take a whole lot for it to go like, hey, I don't want to be this compound anymore. I want to be something simpler. Here we go. And lots of energy gets released. Woo! That, that is probably very true. 
Um, if if we're totally wrong, by yeah. all means, let us know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Just let us know. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I have to confess that uh, the Facebook page has been a little bit quiet of late, in part because I have been very terrible at uh, uh, posting the uh, the promo videos and inviting people to, to converse, converse but, but I've been busy lately. It's been kind of chaotic. Yeah, um, you know, I mean, that's, that's a thing that just happens in real life, you know? Yeah. Real life know, happens. When, when real life gets in the way of your hobbies. Yes. <laughs> Exactly. (laughs) All right. Well, Brent, uh, Mm -hmm. shall we dig into this episode? Yes, please. All right. This episode is Pretense, and this episode is directed by David Worry Smith. We have heard Mm -hmm. his name quite a number of times in season one. He directed There But For The Grace Of God and Within The Serpent's Grasp, both late in the season. Mm -hmm. Uh, In season two, he directed Prisoners, Need, Message in a Bottle, Bane, Brent's best episode. Oh, the best one ever. My best episode, so far at least, and Holiday. Uh, And this is uh, David's first episode in season three that he's directed. Uh, Mm -hmm. He's got one more this season, and we'll see him one more in season four, and then we'll have to bid David Worry Smith adieu. Aww. Yeah. Uh, but if you want to know more about who David Worry Smith is, then I invite you to listen to any one of those episodes or any number of those episodes, and you'll learn a little bit more about who David Worry Smith is. Yes. The teleplay for this episode mm-hmm. is by your favorite writer and mine. <laughs> oh, yeah? Catherine Powers. Catherine Powers. <laughs> we have seen we her to- name a number of yeah. times uh, in season one with point. Emancipation. Perhaps the worst episode of television on the planet. I would go so far as to say it is indeed the worst. You know what? That's a t- that that's that, a challenge. You know, I, I, okay, a challenge. okay. It's probably not the worst episode on the planet, but it is arguably the worst episode, at least of uh, Deep Space. Uh, of Deep Space Nine. Wow. Yeah, of, of Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> it's <Woo>! early. <laughs> oh boy. She also is, yes. She also wrote Brief Candle, Thor's Hammer, which. It really skyrocketed that uh, Catherine mm-hmm. Power scale. Yeah. Fire and Water, which kind of dropped mm-hmm. it down to mm-hmm. lower levels. Enigma, which you thought just fell into the pit. Yes. Uh, Thor's Chariot, which brought it back up. Family, yep. which is meh. Serpent meh. Song, which was it's a really good, good episode. And really then good. we finally have this episode, Pretense. Yes. Uh, she has got one more episode in season four. And then she has a story credit, but not a teleplay credit, in season six. And then that's the end of. Catherine. See, now that that one for real makes me just a little sad, honestly, knowing that I only have one more story with her and then a story credit and then that's it. Like she has been such such a such a mediocre background fact in so many things. I just don't know if I'm going to be able to handle it when we get past this and I don't (laughs) see her name anymore. (laughs) Well, okay, that's fair. Uh, (laughs) uh, It it is worth noting that. this episode uh, had a lot of rewrites done by Jonathan Glasner. So oh. it was Catherine's <laughs> script, but Jonathan rewrote it fairly heavily, uh, I see. Uh, according okay. to Brad Wright. Uh-huh. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Catherine. This is great. This yeah. is really good. Thanks. Um, well, I'll see you later. <laughs> <laughs> Have a great day. Um, yeah. If you want to know more about Catherine Powers' backstory, uh, by all means, 
listen to those episodes. We certainly talk a lot about the Catherine Powers scale uh, mm-hmm. and what the hell that looks like, uh, but that scale is coming closer to an end uh, with this episode. There are a number of guest actors in this episode, Brent, and I do want to just read through them real quick. Sure. Uh, some people returning. We've got Alexis Cruz playing Scara and Chlorel. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll see Scara again. I don't think we see Chlorel ever again, but we see Scara again. Okay. Um, we have Frida Betrani, who played Laia. She's uh, the Knox uh, woman in this episode. Uh, sadly, this is the uh, we say goodbye to Laia here. We won't see her. Oh, no. ah, no, I know. Uh-huh. Yeah, she's a fun little character. Uh, we have Garwin Sanford as Noreen, um, mm-hmm. and uh, he comes back as Noreen in this episode. And we will not. We will see him again in future episodes. This is not okay. his last episode. Okay. Uh, we've got uh, the the story arc for the the Tolan continues even beyond this episode. Uh, we have new characters: uh, Marie Stillen playing High Chancellor Travell. She mm-hmm. is an actress known for SG One, The Commish, and Night Scream. Um, mm-hmm. We'll see her again uh, as the Tolan story continues. Uh, as I look through her uh, uh, filmography, she did. Uh, she was on one episode of the 1980s series Airwolf. Yeah. Um, also, uh, Nareem, Gar- Garwin Sanford was on an episode of Airwolf as well. Uh, different episodes, I think. Um, and now I can't remember which director it was that directed Airwolf that really got me stuck on that a number of months ago. But uh, there it is. Yeah, it Here's some ago, more connection yeah. to Airwolf. Uh, and keep then, going. I'm going to see if I can figure that one out. Go ahead. Okay. You- and then... Uh, we have Kevin Durand, who played Lord Zipakna. Uh, Lord Zipakna. He was born in January of 1974 in Thunder Bay, Ontario. Uh, mm-hmm. He's an actor known for X-Men Origins Wolverine, Legion, mm-hmm. and I Am Number Four. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, okay. he makes an appearance here as Zipakna, and we will see Zipakna again. He escaped through the Stargate in this episode, and he comes back. So... Very good. By go. the way, Zach, yes. I have found information about Airwolf. Okay, yes. Director Brad Turner, who directed the Tokra parts one and two. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, also directed Thor's Hammer and Hathor. Uh, directed, uh, his very first directing credit uh, comes in 87 with the show Airwolf 2. Ah, there you go. So there was that one. And then also uh, for the Touchstone, there's some information here about Airwolf, apparently. Uh, or not. The word Airwolf came up in here somewhere. I don't know. Apparently, there might be some connection to Airwolf and the Touchstone. Or no, Touchstone. But other than that, that's it. Okay. Brad Turner, who is not Brad, Brad right? Um, nope. uh, but yeah, so there you go. Uh, this episode, Pretense, aired originally on January 21, 2000. We made it! We, we made it, have officially left the 1900s and have oh entered the 2000s. We're still alive. We didn't die. I know. Uh, it was touch and go there for a while. It was. A uh, little bit. Yeah. So uh, that was fun. Uh, we survived the Y2K bug and uh, yep. are now wondering what's going to happen in the Y2K20 bug. Uh, I have no idea what I'm talking about there, but but we're always <laughs> concerned about the future. So yes. next one is 2020. So let's be yes. concerned about it. Yes. Uh, so this is about... <laughs> <laughs> let's be concerned. <laughs> Because sure. we don't have enough things to be scared about in our right. world. <laughs> Let's, Let's make something more. completely up. Yeah. 
Okay, so this is about two and a half months after Foothole aired. Mm-hmm. Um, we have to say goodbye to Santana, but we do say hello mm-hmm. once again to Christina Aguilera with mm-hmm. What a Girl Wants in the U.S. And in the U.K., I'm going to keep going there, Brent. Uh, the U.K. listeners were listening to The Masses Against the Classes by Manic Street Preachers. So I, again, don't recognize this song, which means I I'll don't be queuing it up. recognize anything. But well. uh, we, absolutely, this is going to be some kind of like house song or something maybe i don't know it's gonna be fast it's gonna be yeah. high energy there's yeah. gonna be like a lot of very frenetic be- uh, beats yep. going on so yep. so when i queue it up uh zach you're gonna have to match that kind of energy when you go through okay. what was in the box okay. office you ready for that i i, I am i'm it ready. is early it okay. is early i, I drank okay, my coffee ready all right ready i'm ready here it comes go. okay all right well in the box office for this weekend we have number one next friday Number two, Down to You. Number three, The Hurricane. Number four, Stuart Lee. Number five, The Green Mile. Because this is such an awesome song, I'm going to give you a bonus in the box office because number six this week <laughs> is arguably the best Star Trek movie that has ever been produced, Galaxy Quest. <laughs> <Ta-da>! <laughs> Galaxy Quest is indeed a superior piece of cinema. Yes. It's really good. Uh, Super good. Yep. yep. There you go. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, so what happened around January 21, 2000? Well, not a whole lot, but I will have a few things here. On mm-hmm. January 1st, you know, because it's Y2K and all that stuff, Gisborne, right. New Zealand, a population of 32,754, is the first city in the world to welcome the 2000. Hooray! Hooray! Meanwhile, the rest of the galaxy's like, huh? huh? What? What? Yeah. What? Why are you calling <laughs> that such a big deal? Why, why, wow, they're really happy. Oh, my. <laughs> why? Because they're day. not dead. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, January 4th, uh, one day after accepting the head coaching position for the New York Jets, Bill Belichick resigns and becomes the head coach for New England Patriots. I did not know that. I didn't know that either. I read that. I'm like, wow. Okay, wow. so that explains at least in part why I think he's a real jerk. He's one of the greatest coaches that ever breathed air. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, you are biased. Me? You are so biased. And all you Patriots what? fans, you're also biased out there, too. Uh, what uh, do you mean? Yeah. He just know. calls it like I sees it. Uh-huh. Yeah. So you, you're just in <laughs> love with Tom Brady. The name is too sacred to speak aloud. That is crap. (laughs) I'm going to move on. On January 13, 2000, Microsoft chairman Bill Gates steps aside as chief executive and promotes company president Steve Ballmer to the position. So uh, Steve Gates says, I'm going to be done with this. Uh, A few days later, on January 19th, this is just a couple of days before our episode aired, Michael Jordan, who led the Chicago Bulls to six NBA championships as a player, returns to the NBA, joining the Washington Wizards as part owner and president of basketball operations. Mm -hmm. Also on the 19th, 
Hedy Lamar, the Austrian-American actress from Ecstasy and Samson and Delilah and inventor uh, of the radio guidance system for Allied Torpedoes, dies of heart failure at 86. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And then, a couple of days after this episode aired, the 57th Golden Globes occur, and American Beauty wins along with Denzel Washington and Hillary Swank. Congratulations. Congratulations. So. So great. So great. Yep. Uh, trivia for this episode. I don't have a whole lot. Uh, just uh, one note here. The urban outdoor scenes of Tolana were shot on the main campus of Simon Fraser University mm-hmm. in Burnaby, uh, which is a small city just east of Vancouver. Uh, and that particular campus was also used to shoot scenes for Battlestar Galactica and Andromeda. I thought it looked familiar. Well, okay. It looked familiar probably because of BSG. But also, it looked familiar because, like, how many, how, seriously, how many college campuses in the world look almost exactly like that? There are a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you got your ancient looking ones, and then you've got your postmodernism looking ones, and that's like, you know. Yep. There it is. Yep. Uh, a couple other things. Uh, Brad Wright, one of the creators, did not like this episode. Um, hmm. He, uh, yeah, don't say. Yeah. He just thought it, it, he he was glad he was glad that it wrapped up, wrapped up the Scara Chlorel arc, um, but uh, he kind of thought there were some uh, weaknesses in it. Um, that he didn't like the device that allowed Scar to talk freely. He thought that was kind of cheesy. Nope. Um, he also felt felt we were not doing justice to Scara with the fact that uh, oh he's now better. He's talked about the horrors that he's done, but he has no traumatic symptoms at all. He's just happy to leave, and he goes back to Abydos. Uh, um, yeah, um, I mean, uh, we'll get into he, it. Yeah, he does say that uh, one of the reasons they weren't able to uh, dig into more of Scar's backstory is that at this point in time, he was a semi-regular character on another series, and it was hard to bring him back. So, okay, I buy that. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah. And he says he doesn't like the Tolans. I mean, he likes the Tolan characters and, and, and where they play, what they do to the series. But, but uh, if they were real people, he wouldn't like them. They're kind of <laughs> too uptight. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he does like how uh, they create a foil uh, to describe how we can respond and do things. Uh, and so. Um, and you know, he liked the idea of continuing the story of the, the Tolan. Sure. Um, and then finally in other languages, the title of this episode, uh, most of them are, are pretense or some variation of that in Spanish. No, in Italian, it is deception. Mm-hmm. And in German, it is the Tolan triad. So oh, yeah. a little right, on the right, nose right. there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, which is fine. Yeah, mm, whatever. Yeah, we had worked. an episode. Uh, what was the name of the episode? The other one, the other, the other, the other trial room episode. Korai. Korai. That's it. Yep. So uh, triad is like a Korai. I mean, triol. Mm-hmm. Right. Sure. <laughs> Which that was a good line. That was a good moment. I like that, that was. moment. There, there was a lot of uh, good uh, snark in this episode. Uh, yeah. Maybe I was. Yeah, we'll get into it. All right. Uh, shall we? Dig into the synopsis. Yes. Let's All do right. It. Here we go. Two Hatak ships are firing at a Guawul death glider in orbit of a planet. 
Suddenly, large blasts from surface-to-space weapons barrage the two Hatak ships, destroying them. The Death Glider escapes, but is damaged and crashes to the planet. The planet is Tolana, home of the Tolan people, an advanced race of humans. The Hatak vessels were controlled by Jaffa loyal to Herur. The Death Glider was piloted by Chlorel, the son of the system lord Apophis, and enemy of Herur. But when Chlorel's ship crashes, his host Skara emerges and begs the Tolan people for help before falling unconscious. Nareem, a member of the Tolan people, travels to Earth seeking assistance from SG-1. Both Skara and Chlorel want sole possession of the body. To determine the outcome of this dispute, the Tolans hold a triad, similar to a trial. The triad brings three parties together to argue the relevant issues. One party for each side of the dispute, and a third neutral party. Dr. Jackson and O'Neill are selected as the Archons for Scar. Lord Zipakna arrives on Tolan as Chlorel's Archon. And finally, Laia of the Nox arrives as the third impartial Archon. The Triad will be presided over by High Chancellor Travell of the Tolan Curia. During the Triad, Scara Chlorel has been fitted with a device that allows both parties free use of the body. On the device is a colored light, blue to indicate Scara is speaking, and red for Chlorel. Daniel and Jack argue that the Guawuld are evil, parasitic invaders of an innocent human. Therefore, Scara has the right to the body. Lord Zapakna argues that the Guawuld view humans as inferior beings, and since humans deem cattle and other animals as inferior beings, and therefore breed, cull, eat them, whatever, it only makes sense that the Guawuld can do the same as they wish with humans who are inferior. Meanwhile, Major Carter and Teal'c discover that Jaffa are marking the Tolan ion cannons as targets for attack. They inform the Curia of their findings, but the Tolan aren't worried. The Tolan are convinced that their ion cannons, only one is needed to take out a Guawuld mothership after all, are impervious from tampering. It would simply be impossible for anything bad to happen. High Chancellor Travell warns SG-1 that if they persist in this manner, it will have consequences in the triad. Not wanting to screw anything up for Skara, Jack orders Teal'c and Carter to drop their investigation. Teal'c is not pleased with these orders, and the situation is exacerbated when a Guawuld mothership approaches the planet. With the approach of this ship, the Tolan government questions Zipakna. They are not pleased with this invasion of their sovereignty. Zipakna insists that the ship is only here to pick him up at the conclusion of Triad. Travell warns that if the ship gets any closer, their defenses will activate, destroying the ship in orbit. Teal'c now is especially convinced that the Guawuld here are plotting to attack the planet. With the work of the agents on the ground tagging all the cannons, the mothership could attack, take out all the ion cannons once, at once, before they can have a chance to fire a counterattack. Therefore, Teal'c disobeys Colonel O'Neill's orders and approaches Laia for help in preventing this tragedy from happening. The triad concludes. Sapakna makes his final argument. If you take Chlorel out of the body of Skara, he will die. This is a fact of Guawuld biology. But if Chlorel keeps the body, then both host and symbiote will survive. Daniel and Jack argue that that kind of living for Skara is not functionally life at all. Jack and Daniel give one vote for Skara. Zipakna gives one vote for Chlorel. Laia stands and then gives one vote for Skara. 
immediately. Yay! Yay! The Tolan award priority of the body to Skara. They lock out the device, giving both Chlorel and Skara access to speak and act, so that uh, Skara is free and Chlorel is silenced. This will be the case until the Tok'ra can be contacted to remove the Gu'awuld. If Chlorel survives the extraction process, he will then be sent to a planet of his choice to seek out a new host or whatever he wants to do. However, before the triad can disperse, Zipakna uses a handheld long-range visual communications device to order the mothership to attack. The Hatak approaches and in a single volley targets and takes out all the Tolan defense system ion cannons. With the attack, people scatter, seeking cover, but Teal'c and Laia take over action. Take action. Laia brings SG-1 to a field just outside of town, and with the wave of her hand, she reveals one last ion cannon that she hid using her powers of stealth. And with a little prodding by Teal'c, the ion cannon fires two shots into space, destroying the Hatak ship and saving the day. Yay! Zapakna fled through the Stargate. But Talana is saved thanks to Laia and Teal. High Chancellor Travel is grateful for their work. Jack asks if, as a thank you, Earth can have one of those ion cannons. But Tolan, but the Tolan don't share their technology. That bums Jack out a bit. Yeah. The Tok'ra arrive and remove Chlorel, allowing Scar freedom to return to his home world of Abydos. The end. The end. So, Brent. Yeah. Pretense. Pretense. What'd you think? <clears throat> well, I think it might have been better if it was a story about giving cavemen shelter from from the elements. <clears throat> Honestly, <Ouch. laughs> yeah, no, it wasn't quite that bad. Um, uh, so I I liked seeing some old faces again, mostly. Um, seeing Scara, uh, you know, it's nice. But how it ended, if you know, at first it was a little like, you know, hey, okay, that's that's here. This is interesting. We're able to talk to Scara directly um and uh but i gotta be honest pretty early on i was i'm kind of getting over the whole like you know you know naive innocent young man from abydos thing that that is that that defines scara like it's i don't know it's fine it's just it's just not doing anything anymore at least i don't think it is um i think that's one of the reasons they did this episode though because they needed to close that arc up so they could move on i mean i guess i mean you could have just I, I think I disagree, but I think that that's just because, like, I'm the kind of person that says, you don't necessarily have to wrap up every loose end. I mean, like, um, uh, oh, shoot, what's what's Scara's alter ego's name again? Chlorel. Um, Chlorel. You could, you know, you can have just Chlorel being out there. Um, you can have Chlorel, the character or the concept of the character, be referenced in the story and be um, and be a dark motivation for people. Right. You can have it be. Uh, the thing, the thing that is unresolved, right? Like, I mean, it's it's okay. You don't have to wrap it up, but fine. We're choosing to wrap it up. <clears throat> um, the courtroom stuff. You know, I'm a sucker for courtroom stuff. Um, and they were getting tantalizingly close to some interesting questions when they were bringing up the whole like cattle argument. Right. Um, and you know, then they immediately just bounced away from it, which is understandable because that's a really you know that's a thorny question to try and unpack on a television show. Um, but also. You know, the resolution of it, like, of course, like this, this, the triad system is a little kooky. Like, well, I don't know. Maybe the triad system is not necessarily. Is the triad kooky any, really any more kooky than the idea of collecting 12 of your quote unquote peers to render judgment? 
Yeah, because th- the reason it's kooky is because uh, if I'm assuming that a triad is a con- is a confrontational system, when will when will Archon for either side ever vote for the other side? And then that's where I kind of say, okay, well, maybe it's not meant to be an adversarial system. Maybe it's supposed to be um, a, 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 you know, a, a, the other word, <laughs> the other word that doesn't mean adversary. Oh, I'm so <laughs> tired. <laughs> I have no idea what word you're talking about. I yeah, we're, just, we're, just, we're just saying words now. You yeah, know, okay. maybe the triad is supposed to be collaborative. There we go. That's the There word. you go. Right. Maybe triad is supposed to be collaborative where it is absolutely possible for archons for one side or the other to cast their vote for the other side. Right. Because the concept is everybody recognizes now the reasonableness of the one side versus the other, including the other side. Uh, You know, folks, folks may have a hard feeling, but they but they move it along. You know, that kind of thing. Maybe there there is something in this system that allows for both um, both varieties of of confrontation or collaboration. in this, uh, far more, I think, than our justice system in the U.S. Our justice system yeah. is fundamentally built on adversarial quality. We yes. have the plaintiff, we have the defendant, and they're going to go at it back and forth. There, there's not a, there is something in this, this triad, that uh, suggests it's possible to come to uh, a, a decision that is mutually beneficial for all parties. Right. Uh, now, in this particular example of triad, that would be challenging to do because two people want sole possession of one thing, um, and you can't split that one thing, and so it becomes complicated in this situation, but that doesn't preclude that possibility of happening within a Correct. triad. Uh, right. That is almost impossible in the current U.S. justice system. Yeah, the so the the idea on that one would be if you're gonna if you're going to set up an adversarial system the the system works if there is an overarching respect for both sides <clears throat> where it falls apart is when you start introducing elements of disrespect for one side or the other oh um, you mean if, like today uh what do you mean like uh well, like for the like, show no like 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 our justice oh. system yeah, no, that's why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why. That's why most people have a bad taste in their mouth when they're thinking about uh, lawsuits. It's because intrinsically in the conversation, we assume that there is one side that thinks that the other side is quite possibly the worst example of human that could possibly live, and therefore right. all of that emotion goes into that moment. Whereas if it is from the start saying we have a fundamental disagreement and we cannot arrive at a conclusion together, uh, we are going to ask an independent arbiter to kind of figure this thing out, and we're going to respect each other in the process, like. I disagree with you fervently, so much so that we cannot come to a consensus of any kind, but I can still respect you as an individual who is making reasonable choices. I just disagree with those choices. I am making different reasonable choices. We're not, and so most of our dialogue isn't even close to there. But like, this is a bit more of like a restorative justice type of a thing where you are intentionally setting up the opportunity for there to be collaboration and and, um, relationship building within within the process itself. It has its own sets of challenges. If somebody walks in there as a bad actor, it kind of falls apart pretty fast. So, you know, the over the overall, at least how I'm thinking about it, is that overall confrontational legal disputes at least uh, can still uh, get to a conclusion if somebody walks in the door intent on being a bad actor, whereas restorative justice procedures work really well when everybody genuinely wants to get to something that is wholesome and moves the community forward. It's just susceptible to some of this, to some, you know, some of the bad. Okay, I I would, I would agree with that to a point. 
Yeah. Um, the problem with retributive justice, which is basically what we have in this country here and, and the confrontational mm-hmm. quality of things, is that uh, the only reason that you do something is because somebody else has a bigger stick than you and will hit you on the head if yeah. you don't do it. Yeah. Uh, and that is, while a wonderful way of enforcing obedience, it is not a very good way of actually transforming society, let alone individuals. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yes. So here we are with Lord Z- uh, Zapakna and his basket Just call him Zippy. on his head. Zippy, Lord Zippy, <laughs> with his with it with his woven basket hat. <clears throat> yeah, and and his and his fierce eyeliner skills. Yeah, and um and you know and not only is he just you know a bad actor because Goulds are just arrogant jerks that think they're always right. Um, they they're a bad actor because they're going to mark all of the orbital defense systems on the planet which happen to be in a city which happens to be tiny um you know stick therein lies one little problem i have with the show there there people other folks have noted that uh uh when you look at that first shot of them shooting the the two motherships out of the sky and you see the angle from where those shots came from uh these ion cannons are distributed uh, more or less around uh, a continent, if not a ho- the whole planet. And then yeah. when we get into the, the story itself, there is an assumption that uh, they're relatively clustered around yeah, just a that city. they're all... Right, exactly. Right, right. So, mm, eh, whatever. That's, that's, a, that's a common um, science fiction problem. Yeah. Is that, uh, you know, s- displaying the... Um, you know the enormity and complexity of a particular planet within the construct of a of a tight story, especially if you have multiple planets, right? You just kind of run into problems with that, which fine, yep. Yep. You, you gloss over it by having everybody represent the city. I did very much like how <clears throat> it was a little corny, but it wasn't that bad. How like the Tolan culture was um, fleshed out just a little bit more with um, the interactions between Nareem and SG One. And a couple of them are a little bit on the nose, like, you know, Nareem can speak fluent English, but yet doesn't know what the word trial means. You know, like it, it was it created a fun moment for sure. It, it, <laughs> it, I enjoyed it. No, no question. Uh, and, you know, the actor gave a really convincing performance when there was sort of genuine just confusion about mistrust or confusion about motivation with some things right? i mean it was right. just he did a great job convi- you know uh conveying that complex emotion of i understand the words that you're saying but the concept of it just baffles me like it was great did a good job it was only just brief moments here and there but it, you know it was it was enriching i thought it was enriching yeah the um um you know the 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 uh, I don't know attitude is a little strong of a word the 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 way that uh the presiding judge i can't remember her name Travell. Um, Travell, yeah. The way that the presiding judge Travell was sort of behaving, eh, it was fine. It was fine. Um, there was just a little bit about it that just felt just a, just a little bit false. And I'm not exactly sure what it was. It was fine. I think it was just, it's just difficult to try to pr- portray um, a, 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 a group of people who are so um, uh, appropriately confident of their... Um, of their own abilities that, you know, it, it, you know, it comes off as arrogance, but they genuinely don't mean it as arrogance. They genuinely mean it as, you know, this is just the way it is. It's right. not, 
it's not that it, that they're being arrogant about the color of the sky. It's it's blue. It's just the way it is. Like, right, um, right. and so it, it, but it has a bit of this like you know acidity to it that that you know it's just like, eh, I mean, right. uh, I, I want I want you to I want to press you on that. I just want to I want to hear yeah. more about what you mean when when you talk about her as kind of appearing false. Say more. Well, it's more like an overall impression, and I am choosing to interpret it as. Um, that the actor had been given kind of almost a nearly impossible uh, character to portray in a way where human viewers who are used to human culture can uh, both appreciate the distance, like the emotional distance uh, that would necessarily exist with that kind of a dynamic, while Mm -hmm. also, um, you know, uh, feeling justifiably a little like, you know, icy, like, you know, eh, not my favorite person to hang around with, not a bad person, but just not my favorite person to hang around. And so as a result, like a lot of those interactions, uh, even at the end where, you know, it's, she's trying to be warm and connected, uh, and still also, you know, clearly, you know, advocate the, the Tolan, uh, principle of like, we're not sharing our technology with you. Right. Um, even though we're indebted to you. Uh, you know, it, it just, it, it, the moments just felt maybe a little stilted, right? So are, like, are you, are you, is, is your rub with the acting or with the character itself? Well, so it, it, that's a great question. I think it's with the character because I don't think that the actor was doing a poor job of it. It's just, you gotta be tall and short and wide and thin at the same time. You have to be, right. you have to be distant, but aloof, uh, distant and aloof, but connected. Um, you've got to, at the same time, in the same moment, uh, per the script, you got to be thankful for the saving of your uh, culture without feeling like you have a thing to learn. Yeah. Like, you know, like it was just kind of an impossible thing to portray. Um, I think, I think yeah. that, that I think you mentioned earlier that this episode kind of unfolds a little bit more about the Tolan people. And I think yes. this does that. I think yeah. with uh, High Chancellor Travell, we get a little bit more. This is a culture that that likes to think of itself as uh, evolved and highly advanced and higher than, uh, better than um, the the less advanced um, humans of Earth. Uh, yeah. n- not not in a a, a negative way. Um, you know, you can't help being less advanced. But we're better than you, just a little bit. Right. We still yeah. like you, uh, and you still have value. But you just know that that uh, we're still a little bit better than you. Um, but we will be friends. Uh, yeah. We can be friends. Right. But I'm not right. going to share anything that I have because I'm just Which, you know I have more experience and I'm better off than you. Uh, and I think yeah, that like, but that's not really that's not really a friend now, is it? Ah, uh, well, now you're arguing about whether or not the Tolans are actually allies, and that's a fascinating <laughs> question. Um, mm-hmm. uh, they may or may not be enemies, but are they in fact allies? Right. Um, Which they don't—they don't have to be. No, right? And I, and actually, I personally enjoy that—that—that that, uh, that quality of that relationship in the show is that we have somebody. Who I mean, like we have the Tokra, who are in theory our allies, mm-hmm. but there's some stress there. But 
And now here you got people who are friends, and you know we'd like to think of them as friends and maybe allies, but are they really allies? I mean, the the Tok'ra will at least talk to us and we'll share some things together. Uh, the Tolan won't do that. If we go back to the first time we meet the Tolan in Enigma, mm-hmm. um, you had uh, oh shoot, Omak, uh, the leader there, who mm-hmm. was very standoffish and uh, yes trying to protect, uh, from him, his perspective, he was trying to protect the humans from this dangerous technology. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you get some of that. And I, I find that fascinating. Um, I agree with you that, that there are some vibes that come off of High Chancellor Travell that I'm like, yeah, you know, but... And I'm noticing something as you're talking through it, like, so I was just thinking to myself, well, you know, yeah, the Tok'ra kind of are our allies, right? Because they come to us um they come to the humans on earth when they need something in the same way that an ally would and then i was realizing well sort of no um the last time that the tokra came to sgc it was because they needed jolinar's memories jolinar's memories right, right. not they didn't need the sgc or sg1 they didn't they didn't need that they needed this other part that happened to be there which kind of puts a different light on it and here in the the the, the tolan the Tolan didn't need him whatsoever. It was Skara who did. Um, and, you, you know, the Tolan were the facilitators, and it right. was nice to see them again. But they didn't need anybody on Earth. If this moment hadn't happened, we would still not be, con- we wouldn't be talking. And, and you know, like, and, and in again, fact, the last okay. time we heard about them, that the, the Tolan that we knew were living with the Nox. Right. Uh, you know, then there's that too, where it's like, you know, they, and, okay, there were two things that I thought was interesting, and I kind of went right past it. Number one, yeah, it is pretty cool that there is a new Stargate. You know, um, that's kind of neat. Yeah. I liked, and I also kind of like the design of the new Stargate for, you know, Antol, Antolana or wherever they are. Right. Um, but it also then kind of pivots into, like, they went, the Tolan went to Knox, like, a year and a bit ago. Um, you know, not that long ago. And here they are already set up in a new planet. Which is feasible, right? This is still this is not like it's unbelievable. It's just it's just I'm just kind of well. Keep in acknowledging. Mind, keep in mind mm-hmm. that um, the Tolan that we met first with Nareem and Omak and all um, were a final party that were there to close up the the Stargate and destroy it before they depart um, uh, the original home planet. But mm-hmm. the rest of the culture had already moved on to someplace different. Right. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. but then um, the the Knox came and rescued the Tolan from Mayborn and the NID, and yes. uh, they ended up on the planet of the Knox uh, as refugees there. However, you've got two advanced groups of people who um, can do things, and they were able to devise a way. Uh, we don't know for sure how, but they were uh, to do the communication needed. And the Stargate and all that stuff to find the new Tolan homeworld. So which yes. So Karen. the 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 Tolan homeworld would have had far more than just the last year or so to be rebuilt and okay. all of that stuff. Fine, but <clears throat> it gets me to the spot that I didn't quite appreciate until you were reading the synopsis. Uh, Zippy fled through the Stargate, the one, the new one that was built, right? The one without any. Um, hieroglyphs on it or symbols on it 
the one which does it have a dial home device? Why would it need one? Like it's a brand new thing. It's it like it, so whatever. I'm gonna let that one go. Zippy's still out there. We're gonna see him again. Hooray! The reason that he survives is because of blah 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 Stargate blah blah blah. But it is a moment of just like no, wait a minute. <laughs> well, okay, it's super I'm, I'm cool. Gonna, I'm gonna push back on you a little bit there. Yeah, uh, you're right. The, it's a brand new Stargate. But if it is going to connect with the rest of the Stargate system, which the implication is that it does, then it's going to need to operate in some similar ma- set, uh, fashion. Um, they're going to yes, need operate. some kind of, uh, of dial-home device, mm-hmm. um, and it's going to have to uh, operate in something similar to uh, the way other dial-home devices operate. Um, so I'll, I'll let it go on this condition. On okay. Earth, the Stargate is not controlled with a dial-home device. Well, in, it, in the Stargate universe, we have seen a bajillion times a bad guy run up to the computer and immediately <laughs> know how to start engaging the Stargate to, to dial up the right chevron, to dial up the right the symbols, you know, da-da-da, activates the thing, off they go, which is a distinctly different process than what the DHD does. And therefore, I'm willing to say, okay, in the story, we have firmly established that for one reason or another, lots of people who know how, to, how a Stargate works are able to engage it with a multitude of different interfaces. This is just another example. So the Tolan don't build the DHD. They don't have to. Why would they? But the way it works is sufficiently similar so that Zippy runs up to the controls and punches in the things and bang, he gets through. Like, I'm willing to go that way. All right. If, if that's what it takes, I'll let you go that way. If that's what it takes, you'll say. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, this one kind of just kind of flops around. I mean, there's there's there there are definitely kind of cool parts about it for for sure. Um, and then there's just parts about it that are just kind of just like I don't know, not that satisfying. Like Scara's like. <sighs> It just wrapped up too nicely, right? Hooray! Here's Scara again, and he's his young, innocent Abaddonian self all over again. <sighs> that just feels a little weird at this point, right? I, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I I will say this: that that innocent young boy is still there, and on some level, he has lost the last three years of his life, or whatever it's been. Um. And so, in that regard, it would make some sense that the the boy he was is still there when he returns. On the flip side, uh, we do know that he uh, actively tried to fight Chlorel. Uh, we actually saw some of that take place when we had within the Serpent's Grasp at the end of season one, right? When we saw Chlorel mm-hmm. there. Um, so, Skara is, on some level, aware of what's going on. And so in that regard, uh, the, the boy he was doesn't exist, and there's something more going on. And I think you are absolutely right to end this episode with Scar just like, yay, mm-hmm. I'm back, I'm free, and I'm so happy-go-lucky. Um, uh, that, that sits badly with me as well overall. Um, there, there, there was a, an element of subtlety that could be uh, taken care of that, that wasn't there. Yeah. Right. I mean, I, exactly. I think that that's kind of it, is that I don't think it would be very difficult for them to have introduced some complexity. Like, it, 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 it could be even just an instantly um, 
you know, it, it would only take half a second of screen time or maybe a little more, you know, just to just to introduce a little bit of of uh, conflict within Skara. Like, just just show us that he is not um, just a character, a character reset uh, and it'll make it more believable. Right. Right. Like like he, he said himself on the trial that he had to witness just unimaginable horrors. And you read in the uh, the little encyclopedia the thing. Yeah. yeah, that uh, that you know, even the director, I think it was that was saying well, it was the, not the director, the uh, the creator, executive producer Brad. The Wright. creator was was saying, yeah, I mean, you would think that he would have a little bit more trauma than that. Yeah, and I agree. And it wouldn't have taken much to sort of introduce the concept of trauma. You don't have to show it. You don't have to dive into it. You just allow through a little bit of exposition that. Um, this hurt Skara, right? right? There, and now there, you've got yourself a much more believable character. As simple as when he is coming in, happy that he is free, he comes in, I'm happy, but I still feel this ghost Yeah, on it. I mean, right. Know? Yeah, All it takes is just one line. It just takes one line. And, and, and now you've, you've <sighs> advanced. That's it. That's exactly it, is that this moment does not feel like the advancement of a character. And that drives me nuts. Um, especially when the advancement of a character only takes one sentence to say aloud, um, uh, then it drives me extra nuts. Because what we basically have been shown is, uh, and they lived happily ever after, right? Like, right. you know, you mentioned Scar's coming back. That's great. Fine. You know, maybe the, who knows? Who, they might bring this up in that, that future episode. But as it stands right now, this is supposed to make me say, oh, good. Ah, everything's fine with him again. And I don't buy it. <laughs> like and so as a result of me not buying it i'm just like all right well i guess yeah. that happened it well, doesn't feel good you know um uh, this episode is one that that is designed i think ultimately to uh reintroduce the tolan because we haven't seen right. them for a long time hey they're right. still around um uh, to close up the shop on scara uh okay so that that one is wrapped up part of it is comes in uh, jonathan glasner ends leaves at the end of season three he's one mm, of the mm -hmm. creators of the show yeah. and uh at this point in time he knows that he's leaving at the end of season three yeah. and yeah. so he wants to wrap up some of these storylines and so this is okay. at least in part him saying let's wrap up this chlorel scara storyline so that the show can move beyond that and move on to find a different motivation, a different reason. And let's be honest, if this was the original motivation to move into the Stargate realm, uh, mm -hmm. they left that one quite a while ago. And, yes. uh, and so this has just been kind of, you know, it's a dangling Chad, um, <laughs> you know, to bring Speaking back. 2000. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Kids, if you don't know what that is, well, that's why Wikipedia exists. Yeah, look it up on Wikipedia. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, I totally lost my train of thought there. But there you um, go. Wrapping so, up the story. The, yeah, the just wrapping the it up. Wrapping story. it up. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, um, recognizing our time, we should probably mm -hmm. keep moving on. There are a whole yeah. lot more things that I wanted to kind of talk about this. I, I wanted to uh, chew on a little bit the idea of the pacifist lifestyle of Laia and and her role in hiding a weapon that actively destroys an entire ship and the very oh, fine yeah. line that she does. Oh, boy. That would have been a fascinating conversation to have. 
Um, of course, and they just went right over the top of it. Well, they had to. There wasn't any time for it, I and agree. that wasn't the story to be told. Um, but you, I saw in that moment, Laya and Carter was there talking about. You did see in Laya's face when she said something along the lines of, "Indeed, you're right. That that's true." Uh, there, there was a lot of stuff going on in her head at that point in time. Mm-hmm. We just didn't get a chance to to delve into it. Uh, mm-hmm. I wanted to do that. Uh, then there's the question of what constitutes life um, and, uh, you know, sentient life and all of that stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fascinating yeah. things to talk about. Yeah, uh, when they were so, talking about the cows. Uh, by yeah. all means, folks out there who are listening to this podcast, go to Facebook or Twitter or wherever uh, and uh, share your thoughts on these and, and what these are about. And we can have maybe have this extended conversation there because I think that's actually one of the places that uh, Facebook especially is good. Yeah. So, I mean, I would have really been satisfied if this episode was really nothing but the entire time, you know, like, uh, you know, Measure of a Man episode um, where they're going on about like, you can introduce some moral quandaries with this one. It's not it's not a slam dunk that the uh, that the claim to a human body is obviously, uh, you know, uh, given to the human. We think it's obvious because we're human. But if you say if I think that that animal argument was just a darn good one that, um, you know, needed to be needs to be explored. Yeah. At what point do you say just because you are more advanced than me doesn't give you a right to use me? And then how do you reflect that back down in our own lives? Like, like, where's that line? Yeah. And that's a legitimate line to to talk about. Um, Of course. uh, Now, it doesn't address the fact that uh, the Gua Wooled are are bad uh yeah they, they don't care about lines you know they they one of the things is, is that the argument that that uh Zipakna is making in this moment is not actually an argument uh that is valuable to to uh debate the morality and the philosophy behind it um he's just spewing words that might tug on somebody else's heartstrings to manipulate the situation yeah, that's for his sake you're right um, right. But that doesn't You're negate right. the value of the words. Yeah, it, it, the, the, philo- the philosophical question exists. He's just manipulating that question to try to get his way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, please join us on Facebook and on Twitter and wherever else and uh, dig into these questions. What do you think about uh, those questions of what constitutes life and, and uh, the value of life and inferior and superior uh, beings? And, and how does that play into our uh role in life today uh as carnivores yeah. or omnivores yeah. or right. vegetarians I mean, I think it's, <laughs> I, yeah i think it's worth yeah, it's a good question to ask it is a good question to ask um also talk about the question of pacifism uh and and that and how that relates to the realities of violence in our world those are great questions mm-hmm. so uh mm-hmm. bring those up and let's talk about them in uh social media or restorative justice and retributive justice. I love those two terms. I've used those yeah. before. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So that's, that's Good stuff. Great. Good stuff. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right, Brent. It is now yeah. time for you to share your ratings out of seven chevrons for this uh-huh. episode, recognizing so, that we've talked about yeah. it, and that's been exciting. It's been, it's been very exciting. It's, it's so exciting. I liked a lot of the things that this episode was trying to do, for real. Okay. Uh, there were a lot of little itty-bitty moments. All the way through the thing where I'm like, cool, neat. Oh, that's fun. Nice. I didn't think any of them actually tied together very well. And I also didn't think that the story did what it could have done in some very key areas. So as a result, I'm kind of like a big meh on this one. 
I'm gonna give it... I'm gonna give it three out of seven, which is on the lower side of meh, just because um, I think that there were a couple of pretty softball moments that they didn't take to that would have really added a little bit more oomph to the story and they just went right over the top of them and so as a result it's like all right you know what if you're if you're not even gonna try nah i'm not that that, that's not so cool there were some parts about it that are neat i'm excited to see some of these things kind of come back into the world if possible but overall a three a three okay um i am going to give it a number higher than three okay um I, I agree that there are elements of this that are kind of meh. There are, um, this, this frankly feels like a Catherine Powers script. That, yeah, um, it sure that, does. That, <laughs> that just kind of um, bounces along the surface without quite ever delving in to anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, uh, the questions that this episode poses that gives me an opportunity to wrestle with them things that uh you know talking about retributive and restorative justice talking about Mm -hmm. uh inferior and superior life talking about Mm -hmm. pacifism and uh violence in the world all of these things Mm -hmm. are elements um that that are meaty and valuable to chew on and i enjoy doing that and this episode gives me a platform on which to dig into that and so i like that um, mm-hmm. Also, something that I am privy to that you are not privy to is how this plays into the grand arc of things. Yes, true. There are elements of this uh, that I intentionally did not talk about that play into future storylines, um, mm-hmm. which um, for me is is exciting because I can now see, because I've seen the whole arc, how, oh, this is that section of it, and that's that section over there, and how this... Uh, actually quite well in many respects weaves into that greater story um you will have to wait and see uh on these things um and so that kind of raises it up a little bit for me so i think that when it's all said and done i'm going to give this actually a five Uh, wow okay all right um i I think that the the ability the, the questions that this poses uh even if it doesn't delve into them hard uh are valuable enough and when you put this in the to whole art, yeah. mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. I think I think it gives it a five. So that's encouraging. Yeah. That's encouraging. Uh, we do have some predictions, Brent. Ah, yes. Um, okay. Yes. Okay. So uh, <laughs> these are some to- of my favorite things now. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, today I, I posted the promo for pretense. Uh, I, I meant to do that a long time ago, and I didn't because yeah. Um, we had yeah. a couple of comments on that. One of them is a prediction. One of them's not. Uh, Kimberly mm-hmm. says. Are you sure this doesn't involve camping? Um, <laughs> which is just a great comment. Um, yes, it is. Thanks, Kimberly. Uh, J- I think so, too. Yeah. JD uh, responds, I may be letting my own bias in on this one. He thinks, Brent, you'll give this a five. Okay, and he thinks, yeah, I'll okay. give it a six. Brent will like this mm. story, but will find certain elements distracting. Uh, yep. Zach will like how it closes certain stories out. Um, yeah. You know, okay. Uh, so yeah. there you go. That was what JD little said. Off. Little off, I, but that's I'm okay. Harsh. I'm harsher with my ratings in part because of the story. Um, but again, like, yeah, there's a lot of this. There's a lot of little bits and bobs in here that I liked. It's just I didn't like. It didn't feel like it came together. Not for me. All right, we have another prediction. This is oh, from Arnott. He emailed this to me. Yeah, now, yeah, this is yeah. the first time I'm looking at it. The following are predictions. Okay. Do not read them until the actual recording. Okay, that's all in are. bold and caps. 
And then oh, he says, yeah. additionally, I've endeavored to avoid spoilers in this and future ratings. Great. Uh, Good. He says, I predict that both Thank Zach you. and Brent will rate pretense five chevrons or higher, unless that Ooh. is Brent finds a significant plot hole that I missed, which is possible in this episode, at which point he'll probably rate it four chevrons. Ah, but I'm harsh. Oh, man, I must be so, feeling cranky today. So, so you did not take your happy pill today. <laughs> no, I sure didn't. I sure did not. It's early. It's, it's early. early. Yep. Uh, so that is close. You know, Arnak, you are getting very close with these, and I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated with that. Keep it up. And by all yeah, means, no, everybody, fun. Uh, send your fun. predictions uh, yeah. via email. Email is the best way to send it to us um, uh, over and against Facebook. Uh, although I understand Facebook is easy, but it's hard for me to uh, not accidentally see them, and I don't want to get Chevron encoding bias. Uh, <laughs> uh, I love that term. Uh, I absolutely love it. So go ahead and keep sending those predictions in. Uh, this is fascinating to see how people think that we'll rate things, and and uh, yeah. then by all means, uh, post your own ratings for these things. Let us know sure. uh, yeah. what you believe these things are. Um, Oh, that's That'll a great idea. For so, real. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Brent. All right. The next yes. episode yeah. is entitled Ergo. You are G O. Ergo. Mm-hmm. That's not a lot to go on. Ergo. But based on Ergo, <laughs> what is Ergo about? <laughs> I've got a real, I-, I think I have a really esoteric joke here. So we'll see just how far it gets. Okay, you ready? Okay, I'm ready. All right. Next time on Stargate SG-1, the SG-1 team travels through the gate to find themselves on a strange world. It appears that it is by far the most primordial world they have ever stepped on. As they continue their examination, they discover that they have actually traveled not to a world within their galaxy as expected, but indeed, they seem to have traveled almost all the way across the universe. Whoa! How they how they figure that out? We're not gonna we're not gonna get in that. We're not we're not gonna worry about how they figure that out. Okay. They discover that they are in fact in a in a place that is um thirteen point something billion years ago. Again, I'm now now that I'm saying these words out loud, this doesn't make any sense. But we're gonna keep going. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> time travel. We're flirting with time travel all the time with the show anyway. So we're gonna keep flirting with it. Thirteen point four billion years ago. They discovered that they indeed are on one of the places that was one of the first terrestrial planets to ever form after the Big Bang. They have a unique way to discover how the motions of the universe itself got started. Or you could say how they started to go. And if you're looking at the first thing of something, it's the Ur. And so they're looking at... The Ergo. Join us next time on Stargate SG-1. <laughs> oh, Ergo. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Had, to reach, had to reach pretty far back for that one, didn't I? <laughs> well, yeah, all the way back to the beginning. <laughs> all the way to the beginning. <laughs> the Ur-joke. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, no, okay, I, I'm going to just terrible. tell you right now that that's wrong. <laughs> No, it's not. It's not wrong. Ur is like the beginnings oh, of no, things. Oh, no, 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 uh, no, 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 no. I'm just saying that's not what the episode's about. Oh, I see. <laughs> but. Well, they're missing an opportunity then. Though. Well, that might be. But there is mm-hmm. a different opportunity, and we can okay. watch the promo for it. Okay. Are you ready? 
I am so ready for Ergo. I'm hitting the play now. What? Next time on Stargate SG-1, meet Ergo, the wacky artificial intelligence unknowingly implanted in Octave's brains. Hello, Ergo. <laughs> he can influence their actions. Isn't that hot? Extremely. Share their experiences. <laughs> By the pie. And even read their thoughts. You read our thoughts? Don't panic. Just the thoughts you're having at the moment. He, uh, <laughs> it seems to crave new experiences. There's just one catch, though. He can never be removed. I'm trying to kill you. They'll open your brains with a big giant can opener. And then they scoop me up with a big scoopy thing. It's That's all it next time on Stargate SG-1. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm super excited. Also, um, um, does Peter DeLuise direct this one? Coming Peter DeLuise does direct this one. All right. And, okay, uh, little father-son so, action. So so you did, yes, you, okay, I, I was just going to make sure. You do recognize that that was Dom DeLuise. Yes, Dom DeLuise. Peter's yep. dad. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. He comes in for Ergo, and Ergo. we'll find oh out my gosh, all that looks about that. So exciting! Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, well, not exciting, exciting, but I'm I'm excited to watch it. That's like, and also uh, excellent. So, David, my gosh, thank you yeah. for making these promos, and that one was a great one. So, Brent, I, I will mm-hmm. uh, show my hand here just a little bit and say I just love Ergo. It's I'm excited. Just I'm excited to watch this one. Fun. Yeah episode and it's yes okay so i'm excited about okay. it okay okay so you know Good don't disappoint hear. me you know because because <laughs> your chevron rating i better for this episode <laughs> if if you give this a lower i it's just gonna just crush me so you know just so you know friendship over new friendship with dom de <laughs> wow okay <laughs> so it'll be fine i'm yeah. confident it'll be fine yep so uh, with that, uh, tell us what you think about pretense. Uh, mm-hmm. Please uh, join us for more conversation on Facebook and on Twitter. Uh, email us at walkingthroughthestargate at gmail.com. Follow us at Stargate Walking on Twitter or to the Facebook page. All of those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's keep this conversation going. Um, and with that, I'm Zach. And I'm Brent. And this has been Walking Through the Stargate. See you next time. Bye. Carter, dial it up. Get these people home.